to the Homegrown Podcast from Keep Indiana Learning. This month, Counselor Connect is taking over the podcast and will feature episodes dedicated to student service professionals, in part to celebrate National School Counseling Week occurring annually during the first week of February. Hello, my name is Amanda Colhan and I coordinate Counselor Connect, a statewide network of student service professionals serving in Indiana schools. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, my name is Amy Porteous and I am the Director of School Counseling Initiatives for Inspire Success, an educational nonprofit organization here in Indiana. I also have the honor of being a member of the Counselor Connect Comprehensive School Counseling Tactic Team, and we are pleased today to be able to talk with Laura Robbins, a school counselor from South Newton High School, and Karen Santana from Lodge Elementary School in Evansville. Welcome, ladies. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So to begin with, can you tell our listeners just a little bit more about yourself, uh, like what your role is at your school and how you became involved in the comprehensive school counseling process? Karen, I'll let you start. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're welcome. Um, well, as you said, my name is Karen Santana. I'm the counselor at Lodge Community School in Evansville, Indiana. Um, we are a kindergarten through eighth grade or eighth grade school. Um, and I actually became part of this um, comprehensive counseling idea um, through my district, which kind of put out the idea of um, counselors working together, getting all focused on the ASCA model um, and targeting our time towards doing that. And so um, through that process, my school went through the ramp process. And then now I'm just kind of um, reaching out to people within the state of Indiana and trying to help out as much as I can to kind of um, you know, improve the processes of our state and the counselors that we have here, because we have some amazing people that um, I think as we work together can do what's best for students. Excellent. How about you, Laura? Um, well, I kind of got started with the comprehensive, well, back when it was Gold Star, um, through grad school, um, I went to Indiana State. And so Tanya Balch was kind of, um, you know, really didn't push that, but talked about it a lot in going through that process. Um, so after a couple of years, when I took over here at South Newton, um, I decided that was something that I wanted to accomplish. Um, and I did. And so I was really proud of that. And, um, just being the only counselor in the high school here, we're one campus, but we have an elementary and then a high school and a middle school. And we each have one counselor, at all of those levels. Um, so really trying to advocate for and making sure people know, like, this is what we do. Um, and the vast array of all the stuff that falls onto our desks, um, I think is really important to showcase that. And then obviously the data that goes behind that, I think is really important. So, um, that's that. Absolutely. Well, again, we really appreciate you being here with us today and we're ready to jump in and talk about data. It's everybody's favorite topic, right? Yes. Um, and I know that sometimes that word gets overwhelming, um, but we're hoping that you're going to be able to comfort people and guide them a little bit as they ready to jump into this good work. Sound good? Sounds, Sounds good. good. Yeah, no pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's begin with the idea of how we best access data. Karen, how do you determine what data to gather and prioritize? Well, if, we, if you look at the ASCA model, this is kind of how I approached it. Um, I'll first say, I am not a data person. Um, and so when we, when my building kind of started really digging into the ASCA model and really trying to gear our program towards that, um, we just kept hearing data, data. And that gives me anxiety because I'm just not a numbers person. I'm not a data person. Um, but in going through that, I definitely have been enlightened in the fact that data is extremely important in what we do. Um, and so I really started with um, 
looking at, okay, here's the ASCA model. We really want to look at, as counselors, we want to look at attendance. We want to look at um, academics and we want to look at the behavior. And so those are kind of the three, you know, um, three focus points. And so when you're digging into data, it's kind of like, okay, let's look at those three areas and see where we're at. Um, and I think sometimes data is a little scary for people because um, data doesn't lie and it shows you really where you're at. Um, but it does give you a starting point um, and it gives you a starting point to know where do I focus my time? And as you start digging into it, um, it really focuses your attention on really where you need it to be. Um, so in that respect, um, I've grown to like it a little bit more than I used to. Um, but the more I use it, the easier it gets. Um, but really to start, I had to kind of ask some people in our district, okay, where do I go to get the information that I need? Um, and our corporation is fairly large. So I've really got some people I can send an email to and, and they get data back to me pretty quickly. Um, but then I had to ask a little further, like, okay, thank you for getting me that, but how do I get it on my own? Uh -huh. Because I don't always want to wait for somebody else to respond to me to get what I need. Um, and so I had to ask a lot of questions about, okay, thank you for that, but how did you get there so that as years continue, I can just pull that by myself when it's convenient for me so that I can use it um, when the when the time allows. So that's kind of how I got into it, is just asking a lot of questions. Um, and then, like I said, I enjoy looking at it now only because it's a good indicator of where you are and how far you've come. And sometimes that's a nice pat on your back when you can show through the data that you've really accomplished um, what you set your goals to be. Yeah, pat on the back and a good advocacy tool as yes. well. Right. Laura, what would you like to add to that? I, I saw that you agreed with her yeah. about where to get the stuff. Yeah, so I think a lot of that, um, I would definitely agree with what Karen said. I think for me, when I first you know, started here and being young, um, and again, being the only one, it was kind of like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do, or this is what the person did beforehand. And so it was kind of paving a way of like, this is not necessarily what I need to be doing. I need to do things a little bit differently. And here's the data that says why. And so, you know, when I first went through the process, it was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the testing still falls with me, but how do I prioritize this? So it's not taking up time during the school day where I'm not working with kids. So kind of talking about that and saying, okay, like I worked, you know, advocating for your time and um, making sure that, you know, if this is an extra burden, that's going to be on my plate. Um, how can we compensate me? So even taking some of that data and saying, okay, now that I'm, I would, can we call me the guidance director now, since I'm overseeing all of these other counselor, all these other two counselors, and then I'm taking on the testing duties. Is this an added, you know, so even advocating for that little piece of things, because um, a lot of times, you know, we do get, we're under a teacher's contract. I'm not on an admin contract, but there are duties that are full wholeheartedly admin related. Um, so it's a really, you know, that's, that's part of the puzzle piece of the puzzle that I'm really trying to work through a little bit with this again. Um, but I would say looking at the model and saying, okay, this is, you know, I've got to spend more time with the kids and I've got to have more counseling one-on-one -on -one time with these kids, whether that's group or whether that's individual, mm -hmm. um, and then looking at, and, you know, cause I still use the time task log. And so going back and looking at that and saying, okay, here's where my pieces are. And I look at it, you know, I look at the data every so often and say, okay, I need to focus more time mm -hmm. here. Um, 
So it's just looking at the model and what we're supposed to be doing, even though sometimes we can't always do that because of all the other stuff. So, right. But, but that use of time data doesn't lie either. So it's it doesn't. very helpful to be able to, to look that over. Sometimes yeah. you think you know what you're doing, but to really look at it. Mm -hmm. So Laura, if I'm a, if I'm a school counselor and I've, I've not done this data work before, where would you say I should start? Um, well, honestly, I think for me, looking like with with me, I have the time task log and then I also have like a Google, a Google sheet that I keep or a Google form mm -hmm. that when I meet with a kid, I quickly put like, okay, initials, this is why I met with them. This is their grade. And then here's a quick synopsis, like a sentence this we met about this. And I submit that. And then it also shows me like the percentage of time I'm spending per grade level. And then the amount of time I'm spending on meeting with kids about depression or I'm meeting with kids about college and career. Cause that's a huge focus at the high school level. Um, and I spend a lot of time with seniors at the beginning of the school year because I have to, mm -hmm. and it's just me. So like looking at throughout the year, how that data can change, I think is a thing that I need to look at a little bit more because I don't necessarily look at the Google form until the end of the year. And I'm like, Oh, but it's probably interesting to see like after quarter one, yeah, a lot of my focus is probably with the seniors. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just, and that's how I, I started with that. And then you pull that and you kind of look at it and you say, okay, where am I? And then the nice thing with the time task log from the beginning, when I first went through gold star was, okay, you're spending too much non-program time. Like this is not, this is not what you need to be doing. And so, and then I think having the other people on your advisory council really come in and look at that is eye-opening for them too. Um, so I think don't get overwhelmed with the data piece because like Karen said, the word data can be, and that is in grad school, it's like data, 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 but, and it can get overwhelming. But I think if you start with a couple of those small things, you can really, and use your student database system to really look at some of that stuff to help pull in the attendance piece. And obviously the grades, that's a big thing. Okay. So you would say use of time might be the easiest place to just get your feet wet into some of Yeah, this I think so. Just because that's how I, it was like embedded in my brain in grad school for that. And then after I used the time task and then I went and started my own Google form and said, okay, I want to break this down just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and it really helped me see where I was and then helped, you know, my principal see as well what's going on. Karen, what would you, what would you add to that? Anything? Um. <laughs> the way I looked at it from, from the beginning was I waited until a school year was over and I looked at a lot of the data from that previous school year. And I spent some time during the summer, right before the school year started looking at it. Um, and what I looked at was overall attendance for the year, overall discipline, as far as um, out-of-school suspensions, in-school suspensions, those types of things. And then you can obviously look at grades from the previous year. And by looking at that, it really gives you a good indication of where your time should be focused. Then I looked at, um, I think mentioning the time piece is extremely important. When you look at what time you spend doing things, my um, kind of foot in the door with my administration was, okay, here's where we're at. Here's where I'm spending my time. And I noticed that it, as, as an office staff, we were being very reactive. When discipline issues happened, we were reactive to that. We were reactive to kids who's, who had poor attendance after they had missed so many days of school. Um, 
once you're already into the school year. And so my approach to them was, can I have some more time so that I can be proactive? Can I look, I've looked at this data from the previous year. I know these are the issues we have as far as discipline. I know I can break it down into a grade level or a group of students that I need to focus on. Can I have more time doing a small group for academics, attendance, mm -hmm. um, things like that? <clears throat> and when asking for that time, you know, you say, I want to be proactive and do these things, but it's going to take time away and I'm going to need this taken off of my plate. Yeah. And when I approached it like that, it was really helpful because my administrator said, okay, I'll give you that opportunity. Um, and so for the last few years, I haven't had a recess or lunch duty to do. I do a duty at the beginning of the day and the end of the day um, that allows me to still contribute as someone who has a duty in my building and doing my fair share, but it doesn't cut into the middle of my day when I want to pull students for small groups because I want to pull them generally during their lunchtime, mm. only because it doesn't affect academics. And the reality is I have kindergarten through eighth grade. So I've got a variety of lunch periods where I can I can get into classrooms. And I don't always want to pull it from a specialist class because I'm a former physical education and health teacher. And so, you know, if someone's pulling a student from my class all the time, I feel like sometimes you invalidate the importance of those classes also when it's like, well, I don't want to pull them from reading or math or something like that. I'll just get them during specials. And um, I never want those people to feel like what they're teaching is less valuable than mm -hmm. those other academic classes. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit and just dive a little deeper into the collection of data. So Karen, You've talked about attendance and achievement a couple of times. What kind of data do you consistently collect year to year? And, and what tools do you use to maintain that data for yourself? Yeah. Well, we have a, um, I, for a back of letter word, a data warehouse that we have access to. And I can pull, um, and again, I had to ask questions about, okay, how do I get there? What does it look like? So I have, um, online kind of a data warehouse that I can go to and I can request um, or I can run specific reports. So I look at- I'm gonna interrupt, is that at the district level? Yes. Okay, okay. But gotcha. all counselors and administrators have access to it. And I think sometimes counselors have access to it, but no one's told them they have access to it. So they don't know where to go. Um, and so that's a matter of just asking, um, asking the right questions to the right people about where to find things. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's nice that I have one place I can go to get discipline data, I can get attendance data, and I can get um, academic data all in the same spot. Mm -hmm. um, and so I generally, when I pull attendance, at least at the end of a school year, I pull it for the whole building. And I can see the percentage of um, when students were in session. So mm -hmm. for example, my data looks like maybe my seventh graders overall, their attendance for the year might be 90%. 90% of the time my seventh graders work. And so I can look at it that way and then I can break it down into grade levels and then I can also break it down and have a list of every student and look at it that way. So um, I generally look at it from a grade level at first because mm -hmm. then that helps me target which grade level I'm looking at and then I can break it down into student data. Yeah, uh, And I can do that for all three areas. Great. And so does that disaggregate by subgroup for you as well? Or is that something you have to manipulate? Um, I have to manipulate it, but it 
I just request, you know, in filling out the report that I'm requesting, it allows me to do that. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. How about you, Laura? What do you consistently look at? Um, well, we don't have a fancy district thing like <laughs> Karen has. Yeah, we always um, do. <laughs> but we have PowerSchool. And so within PowerSchool, I can go in and run reports for attendance and for grades and see who's at risk. Um, and we run, we run weekly reports for grades and for the F list and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm able to really dig, dig deep into that and see not just necessarily the F list, but like, look at, okay, who, who are my kids that are normally like AB and who's at a C right now? And let me, let me have a conversation with them about that. Um, and then with attendance, you know, the same thing, we can run a, a weekly check mm -hmm. and see where we are. Um, and then we send letters out and stuff and talk with those kids. I just had a conversation today with the kiddo who was on that, that verge. Um, and we've had, you know, in the last four years, I've had three different principals. So it's been, um, that side of things has been a little bit of a challenge too, because you are, you're trying to, to do things and, and make the importance of attendance known to them um, and how to do all that stuff within power school. And so they understand how to look at it too, um, has always, has, I rely on them to look at that as well. So that's been another little hurdle to try and get through. Um, but, and then I think just again, with just my own tracking system that I use within my, within my time task log and then with my Google form, but, um, and then academically we can use, you know, for SAT and PSAT, we can use academic data there through the college board. So that's another mm -hmm. big tool that I use. You can break that down by benchmark. You can disaggregate that. Um, so we use that quite a bit, or I do. And then I share that. I create folders and then share that with the core teacher so they can kind of look and see where people are. Um, and then, you know, we sync everybody up with their college board account to Khan Academy. So then they're using personalized practice plans for their kids based on stuff. So we try and do, you know, get all that data out to the teachers too. Cause I think it's important for them to see that and they need to have access to that. So, um, I try and drill down as much as I can for them from the academic portion of things, um, through PSAT and SAT as well. I like that. So really you play a leadership role in providing data for the entire school. Yes. Not just advocating for your own program, but advocating for right. whole scale. That's yeah. Awesome. And then we added ninth grade two to take the PSAT eight, nine. So like we even have that data that we can start looking and get them really prepared for the SAT since it's now, you know, part of our school grade. And then also part of, you know, one of those other buckets that they can check off on yeah. bucket three for graduation. So, so you, you've mentioned a couple of different assessments there, but do you, do you have any assessments that you create yourself to assess whether a student is at risk or not, or you're just pulling data from yeah, so um, just pull data from all those different pieces. And then um, next, this week, actually, I'll be doing a needs assessment with um, all the kids based on the comprehensive model. So I'll have that needs assessment going out to the kids. Um, and I was very religious about that um, when I first went through uh, Gold Star. And then I had a couple babies. <laughs> so getting, you know, being on maternity leave and getting back into the swing of things. So now I'm like, okay, I'm ready to jump back into the needs assessment side and really make sure that I check that box um, every year. So, yeah, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, get annoyed of that. <laughs> they do. 
we but like with your brain, you have a baby and you forget <laughs> it out the window. Exactly. Um, okay. So you talked about need, needs assessment. So that leads me to supplemental data. So how do you decide either one of you, how do you decide what supplemental data you need to look at? Like, how do you talk about your own root causes of some of the things you're seeing in your initial data? Um, Laura, if you don't mind, if I go first, yeah, go for uh, it. We'll be talking afterwards because my corporation is going to power school next year. So I'm really interested to see what that looks like. Um, but in, <laughs> would you give it a thumbs up or thumbs down? <laughs> well, it's hard for me to say because we transition, we went from harmony to power school, um, in 2021, which was, you know, for 2020, 2021. Okay. Okay. So in the middle of the pandemic, you know, oh, here you go, learn this whole new program and we'll talk afterwards. Okay. <laughs> so we don't have power school. We, we do have, which I um, neglected to mention, but you made me think about it, is I have an actual at-risk report that I can pull. And on that at-risk report, it shows me who's at risk um, in, as far as attendance, as far as grades, as far as mm -hmm. behavior. And then we also have... Um, at risk as far as how they answer questions on a panoramic survey. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, questions like, do I feel safe at school? Do I feel like I have a trusted adult I can talk to? A lot of those, what I would consider counseling questions mm -hmm. uh, are asked on that. And we, um, <clears throat> that report also shows me students that we feel are at risk as far as that survey is concerned. So I really can look at my students on that at-risk report for all of those buckets really all at the same time. And um, it'll prioritize for me those students that are at risk for three or more of those areas. So it's really kind of nice to look at it that way. But I would say Panorama is one of the, um, the big things that we kind of look at <clears throat> the results of that, which we give our students twice a year. So we can kind of see if we have students that <clears throat> maybe weren't at risk to start, but then all of a sudden, sudden are popping up on that report um, during the school year. So we can see some of those changes that go on as far as students thinking. Excellent. Laura, do you use Panorama? Well, we did last year. We had got the grant through DOE and then they took it away. So <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but we, um, we did do one round of surveying. Um, sorry, it's really loud outside my door. I'm not sure what's happening out there. Um, but anyway, um, I think there's a dog out there. That's what I think is happening. So sorry. Um, but we used Panorama for a semester and got some good data out of that. Mm -hmm. And then we were getting, gearing up to use it, you know, do the survey the second time around. Um, and obviously we didn't get to do it. So um, that was frustrating because we were very excited because we thought, okay, maybe if we get this going, then we can use some of like our ESSER funds to keep Panorama going. Um, but now I think, you know, I think the biggest thing for us, I think will be this upcoming needs assessment to really look at that and drill down some of those things um, and see, you know, where are we, where are we right now as a school? And then you look at those and say, okay, I've got to, and drill it down a little bit. And, you know, a group of females that are really struggling with self self-esteem. So we need to work on a group with these kids or what do I need to do here? So that's really my focus is I want to get back to that. I think now that we've gotten through some of the harder times of COVID and we're trying to get our kids back on track academically, um, getting them back on track with some of their social and emotional help, I think is really where my focus needs to go. Yeah. Again, it's hard as 
being me as the only one here having to to do all the things. Um, but I think that's really where with this next round of gold star where it needs to go, where my admin needs to see, okay, this is really where her focus needs to be a little bit more. So what can we, what can we move around off her plate, which I don't know if that's possible. What can we move around off her plate to try and help her in that regard? So she has enough time in the day to do those things. So um, hopefully some of those root causes will be identified through the needs assessment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, great. So we, obviously we're not going to collect data just for data's sake. Um, so want to talk a little bit about how the two of you analyze your data. And Laura, let's let's start with you. This school year, what student outcomes are you looking for? And how how are you going to define or measure success? How do you how do you know if you're successful? Yeah, so um that's always a tough one because I think sometimes your success can always be measured by a number. So I think it's hard, you know, for me as a counselor to answer that because I view success sometimes even as like getting a thank you card in the mail from a past student. Like that's success to me. Um, but for me, I think our attendance has really been pretty poor over the last two years. So that's something that I'm really a student outcome. I want to improve our attendance percentage. You know, I think that's always a corporation's goal is to improve that. Um, but then for me personally, you know, I set a goal that I want to try and actually like have meaningful conversations with, you know, we have 250 ish kids in our building nine through 12. So setting aside time where I'm actually not just scheduling, but like, all right, let's five minute meeting here real quick. Let's have a conversation about how's things going, like really touch points with all of the kids, I think is my goal. I don't know how attainable that is, um, but that's important. I think having those meaningful connections with every kid is important and making sure they all know that I'm here as an advocate for them. Um, even though it's just me, I want to make sure that they know they can come to me. So I think, and we've had a you know, we've had a rough end to the semester. So I think trying to, to get our kids back to where they need to be is really important to me. I don't know if that really answers the question. <laughs> it's always certainly does. So will you use that Google form that you have created to help you know that you have? Yes. Yeah. And then I keep like a, um, so under my desk here, I just have like a roster of every kid. And then I just, when I meet with them, I just put like a a little dot by it and then a different color for the second time that I meet with them. So, and then obviously the Google form puts that all down too, but then I know exactly, okay, I've met with this kid and this kid and this kid. So sure, sure. yeah. So just trying to be more in right. touch with everybody. Yeah. And then supplementally, you'd be able to see whether you talking to every kid does have impact. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Aaron, what are your student outcome goals this year? Well, I'll start off by mentioning, I, I mentioned before that um, at-risk report. And what's uh -huh. interesting about that one is you can look at students that, you know, are affected in several categories. Because we know as counselors, if you have a student that has an attendance issue, generally they probably have an academic issue, possibly there's a behavior issue. So sometimes that data is kind of intertwined. Uh -huh. um, and it's kind of, you know, <clears throat> addressing several issues at one time if you've got a kiddo that falls into a lot of those categories. Um, as I said before, I look at the data I try to before the school year starts. So I have an idea of what um, my small groups might look like, students that are gonna need my extra attention. Um, and then setting goals, um, setting goals for your school year and deciding, okay, where's my time gonna be most valuable? Um, I guess, um, in setting those goals, you have to look at, I usually try to set two per year. 
And, and I usually try to set it as something that's either attendance, discipline, um, or academically related. Mm -hmm. um, this year, I decided to focus on attendance and discipline because I saw through my data, those were my biggest areas. And the reality is if I can focus on those two and make progress in those two, the academic piece is probably gonna take care of itself in most cases. Um, and so I set goals as far as I look at what's the grade level that I need to focus on the most, or is there a small group that might be over a couple of grade levels? Um, and I look at, um, for example, out of school suspensions. I looked at a particular grade level this year, which is our seventh grade, which being a former middle school teacher, I look at seventh grade as being like the middle child. They're not coming into middle school as sixth graders. They're not on their way out. They're kind of in the middle and they're in a holding pattern. <laughs> they don't they don't feel like they're just coming in, but they're, they feel like they're really far away from leaving us. And so um, that's where our discipline issues were. Um, and so I focused on a small group there, but I also did um, some classroom lessons as a whole group. Um, because, you know, your small groups, you can't include everyone. You always have some cutoff and there's kind of those bubble kids that still need your attention. Um, and so through classroom lessons, as well as my small groups, you know, once I've done all of that, then I would like to look at the data at the end of the year and say, okay, did I reduce those out of school suspensions even by a little bit? I mean, even if I reduced it some, then I've got kids that are in the building that were an out of school suspension last year, and at least I've got them here. If they're here, then we can work with them. Um, and so that's where I kind of focus my time in setting those goals. And then I'll see throughout the school year what progress I made by the time we get to the end of the school year. That's excellent. Well, ladies, I, I know that it's sometimes hard. Not only do we not like want to embrace data, but sometimes it's hard to put that into our days, into our, into our schedules. So do you, what creative things do you do to make time and space in order to have time to actually look at your data? Um, well, we this year just started, so we've had PLCs, like that's, you know, the big push all, all over everywhere. And so we've had those for the past couple of years and I've just been put on teams with people, like mm -hmm. not necessarily a place like last year was curriculum mapping. I'm like, I don't know, what, what am I going to do here? So, <laughs> but I was there and as a leadership role, right? So, um, so this year I really, or at the end of the year last year, I said, listen, I would really love to be able to just be on the PLC with the elementary, the middle school counselor, because we do, I want them to get, to do their comprehensive because they haven't done it yet. So I want to be, I want to work with them on being able to do this together. And so we need space and time to do that. And so that's what our PLC is, is we're able to do that with the three of us. Um, so that's something we advocated for and, and we're able to achieve. So Excellent. that's one so time, one looking, space. Working towards some K-12 alignment as well. Yes, as, yeah. That's nice. Karen, how about you? When do, when do you and your team look at data? Well, I'll go back a step. Ours kind of started with our entire corporation um, getting on board with um, the ASCA model and making counseling a comprehensive um, setup. And so they kind of pushed us from there. Um, and so we do, the district does have scheduled for us times where we can get together as a middle school or an elementary PLC. It's not very often. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I did in my building is I set up my own PLC just with the people in my building. And so I have a PLC. Most of the time it's monthly um, as needed. We do twice a month, but I, it's myself, my school social worker. I have two um, spell cell specialists in my building. 
And then my school psychologist, when she's available, will join our PLC. <clears throat> and a lot of times with people who work outside my building, like my school psychologist, she'll join us on a WebEx instead of having to come all the way over here. And that makes it a little more convenient for her. Mm -hmm. But the rest of us meet in person. Um, and so that's nice to be able to do, to talk about our small groups, because um, the biggest thing that we got out of RAMP was the fact that I got all these people on board with me. And I said, I can't do this by myself. Is this something we're willing to all, you know, um, be on board with? And then from there, my school social worker has her small groups. My self-specialists have time where they have their small groups. I have my small groups. So I'm not doing all the work by myself, which right. is a huge load um, off of my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So I'm now sharing the load. Um, but the other thing that I'm part of is I'm also part of the MTSS um, group in my building. And so as far as academic um, needs of students, I kind of have um, a good seat in that committee so that I can have an idea of students who need that kind of support and help to advocate for them. Um, but those PLCs, I, I put them on the calendar at the very beginning of the year so that my people know this is when they're gonna happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I always ask at the beginning of the year, hey guys, we need to have a PLC time. I know people's schedules change. What's a good time for people this year? Give them a few options that they can commit to. Um, and then we're religious about making sure that we meet and we update each other on small groups and things like that. So that's kind of how it works for us. So that purposeful planning piece is really important to making sure those PLCs are meaningful. Definitely. Excellent. Well, Karen and Laura, is there anything that we didn't talk about yet that you would like to touch base on for our listeners? I guess one thing that I would point out is we said that um, we briefly stated that data is not the end all be all of success. Um, and we know just from being in education that a lot of the seeds that we sow now, we don't see the fruits of those labor right now. And your data sometimes will show you that you did all this work with small groups and all of this work with classroom lessons, but those numbers didn't, didn't come out the way you wanted them to come out. Um, and that's just a good learning process for us about, okay, what can we do differently? But the other reality is I work with, um, like I said, K through eight. My middle schoolers right now probably won't show me that there's growth, but that may happen once they have left us and have matured and then can finally put some of those things into practice. So don't let the data be your, it's not my measurement stick for success, but it also um, for me is just really just an indicator of where I need to focus my time. Um, but like I said, it's not, it's not your measure of success or failure. Right. As a school counselor, it's not, right. it's not the measure of you as a person or right. as a professional. Okay. Lauren, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I would probably just piggyback off what Karen said. You know, I think it's important. Um, I think it's a good, it's a good tool to use to advocate for what you do. Um, I think that's really, really important. Um, especially when you are, you know, I'm sure our listeners are, are working as a single counselor, have multiple counselors, you know, have all different types of roles across the state. So, and I think it's important to start small and not overwhelm yourself. You know, if there's something that, even if, and even if the data doesn't always, maybe you see it, maybe you see something in the hallway or you sent something or, or whatever, I think as counselors, it's okay to maybe say, okay, I would like to really, this is important that I think my kids might need this. And so it's okay to even look at, 
some goals and say, okay, I'd like to set this, like for me, me making sure I meet with my kids twice a year. Um, you know, I think it's, it's important to give yourself that grace too. you know, of saying this isn't the end all be all. And if you don't meet your goal, Mm -hmm. why didn't we do that? You know, looking at it and seeing just like Karen said. So, um, yeah, I think it's important to start small and keep chugging along. (laughs) Well, I, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you both again for being with us today. You are very inspiring. And, uh, I, I really like how we ended this, um, remembering what the measure of our success actually is. So thank you for all that. Um, I know that our listeners are probably going to want to know about resources. Um, so how is it that, how would it be best for anybody who's interested in reaching out to you? How would, how can they get a hold of you? Karen? Um, my best is my email, um, here at school. Um, if you even go into Lodge Community School, um, just type it in online. Um, there's a, uh, a staff list there and my email address is right there. Perfect. How about you, Laura? Yeah, same for email. Um, our website probably isn't as well put together as yours, but um, so you could just include my email, Amy, in the, in the link for the, or, you know, for people to contact me if they want. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. Well, thank you again. My name is Amy Porteous and this has been Counselor Connect. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Homegrown Podcast. Please share this episode with an educator you know. It helps if you subscribe, rate, and review us. Visit us at www.keepindianalearning.org to find more Counselor Connect resources and professional learning opportunities. Counselor Connect is powered by Keep Indiana Learning, a department of the Central Indiana Educational Service Center. Please reach out if you'd like to connect to our amazing network of student service professionals across the state.